Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. Mine's hope, becoming the sons and daughters of God. But man, I tell you what, Devin, I don't know, this is a God thing. I don't know if he knew exactly what I was going to be preaching on, but uh, he asked me, he's like, hey, Dad, what, um, what's like the point of what you want to get across? And I said, well, the title's hope and becoming the sons and daughters of God. And, and he's like, okay. And he told me uh, after the first service, he said that was the first video that he pulled up online. I was like, that was awesome. So that was pretty much my sermon right there. So y'all have a good week. Go home. Let's pray over the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. You are so amazing, Lord, the, <laughs> the intricacies of everything that you do and who you bring to this place from all over the world, different countries, different lands, different states, Lord, and some that just grew up right here in Weldon and Roanoke Rapids. Lord, bring us all together so that we can hear the word, that we can share, we can have community, we can have fellowship with one another. Lord, thank you for that. And as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that you reveal yourself to us in something that we learn. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pastor Dave uh, and the Schmoltz family were on vacation last week, so I got to preach last week. And then he's like, go ahead and preach again. I said, all right, got two weeks in a row. So Pastor Dave might be sitting out there somewhere. I have to check and see if he snuck in. But uh, Miss Andrea did a great job, and the kids, they were all back to, to lead worship um, so we really appreciate uh, their family and everything that they do. Um, but this morning, we are going to jump in um, to the second part. It's part two of the sermon that I preached last week. Last week, we talked about Paul's lament. So if you weren't here, you can catch that online. But Paul, basically at the uh, end of chapter seven of Romans, came to the end of himself and a little bit in anguish and disgust, he said, he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? So he reveals some aspect of anguish that he struggles with and the fact that in his mind, he wants to serve God. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to obey the law and do what is expected of him. But on the other hand, in his flesh, what he says, the law of sin that operates in the members of my flesh, um, hinder him from doing that. So it's impossible for him to do the things that God wants him to do. So he comes to kind of that anguish, that place, and he says, glory be to God for Jesus Christ that would come and save me from my own sin. Okay, So Paul brings us to that place where he's talking about these two laws that operate in his life. Not two natures, don't make a mistake, not two natures, one new nature one aspect that is redeemed and one aspect which is our humanness that is not redeemed. The things that we still struggle with, sin, in, our, in our, the members of our flesh as he describes it. So Paul has this, this uh, two laws at work in his life, and, he, and I pointed out three things on how to deal with that. Three things that we can do to overcome. First of all, confession. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? To confess our sins to one another so that you might be healed. Or confess your sins and uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we know that confession is a key part. And then renouncing it, which has to do with repentance to turn away. 
And then also the last one I left you with was to walk in the light as he is in the light. And I thought that was a pretty good sermon. Would you guys think that was a good sermon? Oh, thank you. You guys are so nice. But there's a problem. I don't like when somebody tells me to do something and then doesn't tell me how to do it. So there's no way that I was going to leave it at that. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Go. It's kind of like that jump master just hitting you on the backside. Go. You just jump out and do it. Well, no, I'm not going to leave you there. We're going to talk today about the practical application of how we walk in the light as he is in the light. There's some things that we do in response to his grace. So there is the giver of grace and then the receiver of grace. God pours out his grace and then we respond in some way to his grace. Now, I am not saying that you have to do any of these things for salvation. I'm saying that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you have a hope of something we're going to talk about in a little bit, but you have to be motivated to do something with that salvation. You're saved. Now, what are you going to do with it is the question. All right, so let's, uh, let's get started. And, you know, I used to be a teacher, so I don't mind a little interaction. I don't mind some question-answer situations. So my question here to start us out is, where do you place your hope? Come on, you guys can, where do you place your hope? Now, don't be a bad class and not say anything. God, thank you. All right, so we place our hope in God. This is a teacher's worst nightmare. None of the students want to participate. God, see, so you guys think it's a trick question. That's why you're not answering. Your car? Oh, wow, you put your... <laughs> He's joking, by the way. <laughs> what do you put your hope and faith in? Jesus? Salvation? Heaven? What do you hope for? How many people, huh? Eternal life? See, we, we put our hope in lots of different things. And, and they're all in the Bible and in a lot. Well, <laughs> hopefully you're putting your hope in the things that are in the Bible, not the things in the world. But as Christians, we put our hope in, in the things that we see in the Word. But there's one thing that I found that a lot of people don't catch. And really, it's essential to our faith and what Paul is talking about here in Romans. So we're going to pick up uh, Paul, you know, chapters 1 through 7. He's convincing the Jews that uh, you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by works, that the law was powerless to save you from your sins. He laments at the very end, and then he says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So now we're moving on just a little bit further in Scripture, and we're going to pick up what Paul's talking about in verse 18. So if you will... Turn uh, to Romans 8, 18 in your Bibles, and we're going to pick up right there. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longings of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself 
also will be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We'll stop right there. The suffering we experience today is not worthy of comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. That's a hope. Do you see hope there? This is my hope. That the suffering that I experience, and I'm telling you, I've, I've experienced some suffering. I, not as, many, as much as others, but I have experienced some. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with uh, ulcerative colitis. And so from 12, I'm almost 45, I've been struggling with ulcerative colitis. And I got to a point probably in my 30, early 30s where I was on all these experimental treatments and I was going, you know, heavy doses of, of prednisone and uh, mesalamine and um, Remicade and I was going through all these injections and I was going through, I mean, I looked like, you know, I swelled up and everything I was and, and there would be times where I, got, look, I got down, you see me now, I'm like 250, I've gotten down to 157 pounds. Felt like I was, I mean, death warmed over. Couldn't get out of bed. Throwing up blood, passing blood, the whole nine yards. Sick, man. Thought I was going to die. And got to the point where they said, you've exhausted all medical treatment, and you're going to have to have your colon removed. And use a bag the rest of your life. And you know what? That was okay <laughs> with me at that point, because I thought I was going to die. I said, I'd rather have that than this. And God miraculously healed me. For seven years, I went, I just went into remission. Seven years, I went medicine-free and symptom-free. And then all of a sudden, about three years ago, it came back with a vengeance. And I ended up in the hospital up in Richmond, like over Thanksgiving. And I was like, Lord, please don't let me miss Thanksgiving dinner. My wife would kill me. <laughs> I remember laying in the hospital thinking that. Couldn't eat, couldn't, you know, just terrible. So I do know a little something about suffering. But it's nothing, nothing compared to the future glory that will be revealed to me in the end. Do you guys have hope? So I hope that you're seeing that there's this hope that Paul is talking about that he explains to us that even creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. So let's take a, look at, uh, take a look at that real quick. Romans 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it, in hope, everybody say in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. It's interesting that our redemption is tied to creation's redemption. Creation isn't going to be redeemed until we're redeemed. So I want you to think about it for a second. So in the, in the Garden of Eden, God created everything perfectly. Man and woman, he created them. In his image, it was all perfect. Adam didn't have to struggle. He didn't have to fight with soil Will and I and Ian were out there planting the community garden this, uh, yesterday. 
We had a tiller out, and we were tilling it. And man, there's some rocks in that soil over there. I think that used to be a parking lot or something. But we were fighting it and fighting it. And we were, you know, but actually it was broken up a lot more because Sean had come in with uh, the tillers and, and hit it a couple weeks ago. But then I got my little tiller out there, and, I'm like, <laughs> and we worked. And I was sweating. <laughs> it wasn't easy. And we made our rows, and we planted our plants, and we're going to... I mean, we're going to do everything that we can to get that community garden up and running with what God has given us, this land right here. But you know, he, when corruption came into the world, there was a curse pronounced. God cursed mankind and, and woman, said you're going to have pain in childbirth. Adam, you're going to have to toil, you're going to have to sweat, you're going to have to work hard. That there used in the when the Garden of Eden was first created, there was no thorns, there was no thistles, there was no weeds that he had to contend with, and everything obeyed his command. He could tell the lion to lay down, and it would lay down. Man, I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> there was authority there that man had, and when we sinned, corruption came, and it didn't just corrupt us. It corrupted all creation. So creation eagerly awaits to be redeemed by us becoming what God has always intended us to be. That which was perfect, now corrupt, exists in agony of being redeemed. Creation wants to be free. But it's really interesting because he says all of creation eagerly, eagerly awaits. But then he says, also man. So let's go on. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers with pains of childbirth together until now. How many women can identify with pains of childbirth? Yeah. Yeah. I've never been through childbirth, but I was the one standing next to a woman five times giving birth. There's some suffering that goes on there. And then there's some joy. But then there's, <laughs> then there's some more suffering. It's painful. That giving birth, the, the whole developmental process, you know, and then delivering the baby, and there's joy, but there's also pain. But none of that compares even though the earth and all creation is eagerly awaiting the revelation that's to come the glory that is to come it doesn't compare to that there's a birthing that's taking place and it's that of the children of god there will be a time where the children of god will be manifest so all of creation waits for the manifestation, what the Bible says, the manifestation of the children of God. Let's keep reading. Let's pick up in verse uh, 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
See, we were created in God's image. So even though our, and I talked about this last week, so hopefully you can catch that or if you remember, our spirits are saved. So we kind of live in this place, okay? We live in a, a tension between the already and the not yet. Our spirits have been saved. So on the inside, we say Jesus Christ is Lord. We access his grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we're saved, so our spirits are saved, so there's this, this, our minds is what Paul says, of the law of God, wants to obey, but then the flesh, is there's a problem here. And the members of my flesh, it still wants to obey sin. So the thing I'm trying to get to is that the thing that motivates us to walk in the light as he is in the light is the fact that one day, we're going to be redeemed, and we're going to be called the sons of the living God and daughter. It's not gender specific. There's a future glory that's to come. And it says that we have the fruits of the Spirit. But yet, there's still a yearning that takes place. So that's how we know, or that's how I know in my theology that my soul, there's aspects of my soul that is unredeemed, and definitely my body is not saved because right here it says that my body will be saved in the end. Even though we have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all nine gifts of the, are the fruits of the Spirit, we have that. But yet there's still something to come, still a longing that takes place, this hope for future glory. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is not seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly. In hope we have been saved to be remade into the likeness of Christ. Hope should motivate us to action. See, Paul said something really key at the end of chapter seven. It was his lament towards the end. He said, oh, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. So he makes that transition. So every morning when we wake up, what do we do? Do we look in the mirror and say, oh, wretched man, you a nasty, gnarly thing, and stay there? Or do we say, man, you messed up. Your wife's really mad at you now. You got to go say you're sorry. You got to ask forgiveness. You got to do whatever. <laughs> Yesterday, it was, it was pretty funny. Yesterday, we uh, went out strawberry picking. How many people have been strawberry picking? No, a couple. Well, take a seven-year-old strawberry picking. And a couple years ago, he was only five. That was interesting, too. And I took my, we took our two youngest boys strawberry picking. And Aiden is, is I'd say these two boys, if, if we had had them first, I don't know. Five seems like a lot. <laughs> But they are something, man. I, I look at them and when I wake up and I, and I think, okay, what motivates me? 
What motivates me to get up and go do the things that I do? Is it to care for them? Is it to provide for my family? Some of those things are back there. But you know what it really comes down to at the end of the day? I think, and what a lot of times we miss in scriptures, that there's a hope that goes far beyond anything in this world. A hope that can't be compared to suffering, can't be compared to desires, it can't be compared to anything in this world because it's a future hope and glory that we, we really don't even totally comprehend. But all we can do is fix our eyes upon it. And it says that if, if you have, what's hope if you've seen it? Hope without, I mean, if you see something, then you just know it, right? There's no more hope there. But it's this hope of something that we do not see, that we can strive for, that we can eagerly wait with perseverance, as the Scripture says, that I can persevere suffering, I can persevere the trials and tribulations of this world because I have my eyes fixed on something that is is permanent and that I I have faith and I believe because it's in the Word of God that that's where I'm going and there's nothing that can dissuade me from that. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. Is that okay? I wish I had me a little box I could step up on. I've been reading some books lately about uh, the underground church in China and communism and, and uh, the cultural revolution and different things. And this one underground uh, pastor's uncle of a church over there is like a million people. He went through terrible, I mean, imprisonment, spent most of his life in prison, being tortured, being brought near to death like four times. He said he could taste death. Um, He's seen thousands and thousands of of his fellow Christians persecuted and and killed in this cultural revolution. But at the heart of it, Mao Zedong's wife was extremely anti-religion, anti-Christian. And she really pushed that cultural revolution where they stripped all the Bibles, excuse me, all the Bibles out of China, stripped out all prayer and superstitious belief, as they called it, to eliminate all of that. Why? Why would they do that? Because when Christians put their hope in faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then they don't hope and put their faith in the government. So let's strip away all faith, Christianity, prayer, the Bible, all that, so that we, that all those people that are now so desperate for something that eagerly await on the inside for something no longer have a hope to live for, but they have a hope in the government and will provide all their needs. Communism, I'm, so, I'm going to say something now. Communism is just as evil today as it was in 1980, the height of the Cold War. And I think, church, that we need to realize that our hope is not in our government. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and us becoming like him. That's what we have to hope for. It kind of backfired on him, though. You know, the fastest way for uh, a nation to experience revival, you know, you know what the catalyst for it is? Come on, y'all. Got some Persecute the church. Persecute the church and you'll see revival. So if they want a revival in America, then let's go ahead and pass some laws that persecute the church. Because God says, and his word says, that wherever evil abounds, that God will raise a standard up against it. The church might not look like it looks right now, but I promise you that it won't go away. And it'll start to grow like wildfire. 
just like the underground church in China did. It'll consume the whole nation. All they got to do is persecute the church. So I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of them passing laws, persecuting me and telling me what I can and can't do. Because I'm going to still preach the gospel. And if they put me in jail, then they put me in jail. I talked to my kids about <laughs> that when that law came about, about gay marriage. And uh, I said, what would you guys want me to do if, you know, the government at some point said, you have to perform same-sex marriage even though it's against your beliefs? And um, my kids were like, I can't remember if it was my 15-year-old or 16-year-old. He says, I'll come visit you in jail. <laughs> I'm like, man, what's up? <laughs> But what that spoke to me was they expected me to stand up for my conviction, for what my hope is in. Hope motivates. Hope should be the motivator for us. But I'm never going to leave you with a a three-step way to do something and then not tell you how. So the last point, so uh, confess. Confession is awesome. It has amazing properties that take place um, to uh, turn away, to uh, renounce, and then to walk in the light. So what does it look like to walk in the light? Well, first of all, I didn't want to get you there until you understood the motivation to, to walk in the light. So what motivation do we have to walk in the light and continually die to ourselves every single day? How painful that might be, die to ourselves and walk in the light. What does that look like, Pastor Jamie? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm about to tell you. So what do we do in the meantime? So we have this future hope, this future glory, that one day we will become the sons and daughters of God, that our bodies, are fi- there's, a, there's a physical thing that's going to take place. We are going to be physically adopted. Right now we're spiritually adopted. Then we'll be actually physically adopted into the family of God. And you will become the children of God, fully manifested in everything that God had originally intended from the beginning. Y'all looking forward to that day? How to live as sons or daughters. Key ingredients. We talked about two, hope and faith. We have to live with expectation. We have to live with expectation. When we get up in the morning, even though we might not feel like it, we look in the mirror and we say to ourselves, you are a child of God. Now live a life worthy of the calling into which you've been called. Because not every day do I, f- I'm all perky, like, Woo-hoo, hey, hey, right, I'm a Christian, I'm a son of God, I'm going for it today. No, most days I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. That was a big tree. I, was, I cut down like eight trees in my yard this year so far. And I cut this massive pecan tree down. So most days I'm like, oh, that was so stupid. But then I look in the mirror and go, you know what? But you're an overcomer. Because God's redeemed you for a purpose in this life. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to pray for somebody today. I'm going to do something for the kingdom, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. I'm going to have hope for my life and for my kids' lives and my family's lives. I'm going to have 
I'm going to have hope and faith for your life. I'm going to live with expectation. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do these things for salvation. No, no, no. Grace through faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But if I want to walk in the light as he is in the light, walking requires what? Action, right? You can't, this is not walking. It requires you doing something. Hope, have, live with expectation. Obedience. <laughs> this is good. It says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So after our strawberry picking incident, me fussing at him the whole time, like, no, not that one. He's like, I don't want any help. I want to do it myself. Like, but you're picking yellow ones. I don't want to pay for yellow ones. Get the red ones. I'm getting the red ones. I'm like, strong-willed children. Just leave me alone. Let me do it. And so the whole day, I mean, building up to this, I wouldn't tell him what we were going to do. It was supposed to be a fun day, right? And Kim's like, yeah, a fun day, man. You're killing at the kids all day long. Like, but they're stepping on strawberries and crossing over the, they're not staying in the aisles and, you know. So I fussed at him. We got in the car to leave, and I got really convicted because Aiden goes, that was so much fun. I'm like, what? I screamed at you the whole time. How could that be fun? I don't know if he might just like be able to tune me out or something. I don't know. Is that like, he says he has superpowers. Maybe that's it. His superpowers to tune us out. So I got convicted. Mean daddy. So uh, last night I laid down and I literally, you know, spent most of the morning working in the garden and cutting down cutting some logs on that tree, and so I was pretty tired. My back was hurting. So I was laying there with my TENS unit, shocking my lower back, and just, oh, man. Now he comes walking in, you know, strawberries all over his face. and I'm like, come here. He had a smoothie. He had made a smoothie with the, the strawberry. And uh, I said, come here. And he's like, what? He's such a little snot, man. I tell him. But he's loving. He's a lovey-dovey one. So he crawls up on me, and I... I'm loving on him, and I said, look, Aiden, I said, you know, I said, you know what daddies want more than, and I was thinking, you know, just to obey. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my mind, you know, like, all, all dads want is for their children to obey them. So I asked him, I said, you know what all daddies want? He's like, from, uh, from their kids. He goes, love. And I go, oh. <laughs> yeah, love. That's the first thing that daddies want. Daddies want to be loved. And then I said, you know what the second thing is? He goes, uh-uh. I said, obedience. All daddies want is for their children to obey them. I was like, can you do that? He goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, <laughs> get out of here. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you don't know what God's commands are, then you got to get it in the Word, find out. We'll talk about that in a second. And this one's from Devin, because I had Devin look, I had only four, and then Devin's like, I think you need to add this one. And it's good. So if we have hope and faith and we obey God's commands, and then we got to be imitators of God. 
do what Jesus did. Do what God does. Love people. Reach out. Feed the hungry. Reach out to the widows. Pray for the lost. Pray for the sick. Evangelize. Not for salvation, but so that we can be imitators of Christ. Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loves us. Ephesians 5, 2. And then the last thing is have discipline. You know, I have discipline in a lot of areas of my life. <clears throat> when, I, when I got saved, um, I used to say naughty words. A lot. <laughs> but when I got saved, um, gone in an instant. I can, I'm not joking. I have and I can. I'll be hammering. And I'm always working with my hands and doing stuff. I'll be hammering something in. Bam! Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you for that thumb. And, and not say a single bad word. But I can watch a violent movie and then want to kill somebody. So kind of a toss <laughs> So there's things that we struggle with, each one of us differently. Some we get saved and, man, that just, God just took it away like that. And some things we have to fight for. Some things we have to, to, to die to every single day and it's painful and it's a process. But it comes through discipline. To be a disciple, we must seek discipline, Hebrews 12, 11. So first, discipline. These are the disciplines that I think uh, are very important and key to walking in the light as he is in the light. Well, first of all, we must pray and read our Bible. If not every day, I mean as much as you possibly can. Three times a day. <laughs> read your Bible. How, <laughs> well, how much time I got? I, have, I got lots of stories. But there's a little boy. I took him out to lunch and uh, breakfast and Cracker Barrel, we're sitting in Cracker Barrel, and I'm taking him through this curriculum about reading your Bible and so on and so forth. And so he looks at me. He's about 13, 14 years old. He looks at me, and he says, so what you're trying to say is not reading your Bible is like not reading a letter you get from your girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, that's it. You're a genius. Okay. You want to know what God feels about you? You want to know what God says about you? You want to know his promises? You want principles to live your life? Then Got to read it. Pray. Fellowship with others. Give of ourselves. Serve God and others in the local church. You see, the local church is the vehicle by which God chose to advance his kingdom. If you want to see the kingdom of God come, if your hope and your glory is be is seeing the manifestation of the children of God and the kingdom of God come, then you've got to join a local church, whether this one or another one, and be part of what they're doing. Be part of the mission. Know the mission, the vision of the church that you're in. Partner up with the pastor, with, with whoever, a small group leader. Partner up with somebody. Use your gifts and talents to serve Jesus Christ. And you're going to be fulfilled. You're still going to have that yearning. Don't get me wrong. You're still going to have that yearning. But you will fulfill everything that God has placed you here to fulfill. 
looking towards the future for hope of what's to come. Be sons and daughters of God. Stand up with me, please. Could I have my counselors come? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. You are so amazing. God, your word is just so intricate. There's so many details in there. Lord, and one that we pass over so many times, we put our hope and trust in so many things. But today, we declare that our hope and trust is becoming like you. That one day, I will be sitting at the right hand with, in Jesus Christ in physical form. Right now, I'm seated there in the heavenlies through a spiritual connection to Christ. But one day, we will all be adopted. Physical and spiritual adoption will be manifest and we will be the sons and daughters of God. So I just pray for that day. I just pray that you instill hope in every single one of our hearts that motivate us to pursue that with all of our passion, with all of our might, with all of our strength. We pursue that, that hope in seeing the kingdom of God come. If there's anybody here that would say, Pastor Jamie, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I've never given my heart and life to Christ. I'd like to do that. Just raise your hand. I'm, I'm the only one looking around. I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Don't wait. Just slip that hand up. I'm the only one that's going to see it. And I'll have one of my ushers come and give you something. It's just a simple package. It's a starter pack. I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything, make you jump through any hoops. <clears throat> Repent and believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for this one that raised her hand, Lord, I just pray right, right here, Lord God, that, uh, that you just uh, fill her heart full of love. Lord, you fill her heart full of your mercy and your grace. I just pray right now, God, that you overwhelm her with your presence and your mercy. I just pray right now, God, that her life would be completely different. There's no hoops to jump through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. Confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Period. Now walk in the light as he is in the light. Don't try to earn his favor. Don't try to earn anything. It's a free gift. Lord, we just thank you. For the rest of us, I just pray that we go in peace, Lord, and that we use our gifts and talents to share our faith and to see come, somebody come to Christ because of it. Let us be salt and light. Let us fulfill the new command to love one another. 
we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.